Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week 14 edition of the Good Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Denny Carter. We're going to take a spin through the week's biggest news, including uh, yet again, the Bills' struggles, uh, the Panthers' firing of uh, offensive coordinator Joe Brady, and what to do with a struggling Lamar Jackson as the fantasy playoffs near. And then speaking of the fantasy playoffs, Denny and I are going to take a look at some of the players who have been the hottest in the league recently and whether they might be of service during the fantasy playoffs. Maybe they can keep their hot streaks going. Uh, Denny, a player not on a hot streak, is Zach Wilson. Well, actually had like the best like two or three drives of his entire career. And this was leading to some victory laps on Twitter, like the tide is turning. Then he was bad the rest of the game, and then you were dunking on him. <laughs> was getting screenshotted, screen grabbed on I the was. interwebs. People were saying, you know, who's the, the hoodlum, the scoundrel, the scallywag writing this? And uh, first, I'll just explain yourself on Zach right. Wilson. What do you have to say to New York Jets fans? Yeah, I mean, Jets fans were were demanding to speak with my manager, um, <laughs> which, which I, I guess would be you. So I, I, I hope mean, I can... sent them to the lawyers. I mean, and in theory, like I sympathize with anyone that wants to come at Denny Carter, but I, I just couldn't <laughs> deal with it. And I, I got to be frank, the lawyers inbox, most of them are full. I don't know right, if they even right. got the emails that I've Yeah. Before. And so I don't know if you have time to meet with disgruntled Jets fans. So I covered the Jets Eagles game uh, for NBC Sports Edge on Sunday. Uh, I had the honor of doing so. And um, I did notice, and I, and I believe it's reflected in my Zach Wilson blurb, I did notice that Zach Wilson was serviceable and fine uh, in the game's scripted plays. And by that, I mean the beginning, the opening of the game where the team goes into the game knowing it's 0-0, and they're going to be able to run these certain plays, 15, 20 plays, whatever. He was pretty good on those plays. It was when they got off script and when Gardner Minshew and the Eagles somehow scored touchdowns against them that Zach Wilson w- was was less good. And, and that included uh, several dropbacks where he was kept perfectly clean in the pocket, got to step into a throw, and simply just missed, just missed. Like, like It's stuff that you just don't see very often with NFL quarterbacks, you you mentioned the, uh, a couple weeks ago that Baker Mayfield is is a, is a quarterback who can play action. Uh, the defense is caught off guard. He can step into a throw, and you just know you know that it's the possibility that it could be picked. You can't say that about many quarterbacks. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. You know when he's stepping up in the pocket, oh. climbing the pocket to, un- to unleash the ball, that 
It's either going to be a 74 yard touchdown or Marcus Valdez Scantling drop. Uh, <laughs> Those are the only two outcomes. The only two outcomes. You can't say that was Zach Wilson or Baker. By the way, stat on the Jets via Rich Samini, via the Elias Sports Bureau, the Jets were the first team in the last 40 seasons to score a drive on each of their first three possessions, but only come away with 18 points on right. those drives. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> Very and, you know, I think that a lot of it had to do with uh, with Wilson's play. Yes, the, the Jets dropped some balls, but I, I, I believe other receivers in the NFL also drop, uh, drop balls uh, each and every week. So I, I didn't see that as an outsized factor i will say that zach wilson came very close to hitting elijah moore on two deep balls in the fourth quarter that sort of hail mary type throws i'm not sure how smart uh those (laughs) are thought out those throws were but they almost hit and if they had hit then obviously things would be different but by the way let me i I like a good jets dunk too but let's not take it too far i think you just accused zach wilson of missing some extra points and he he (laughs) didn't do that he he, yes missed two extra points no i i I, where's uh, your god now matthew amendola by the way <laughs> I've never said his name. I just want to put it out there. I've never said Amandola. And by the way, it's two M's in Amandola. Do you know who their kicker is now? By the way, do you have any idea who their it was? They finally did cut Amandola, and then the new guy was this I, extra point on Missapalooza. I do. I I I, I blurbed him yesterday, and I can't remember his name now. Uh, but yeah, they have it. They they have another kicker. You should have seen, by the way, Robert Sala's face when that second extra point was missed. I mean. <laughs> That was a gut punch, if you've ever seen one. That that guy, I I I actually thought that Robert Sala might fall to his knees on that second extra point miss. Yeah, it's been a rough year. He's getting he's getting a dose of Jets fever, and uh, yeah, it's uh takes a while for that fever to break. Yeah, and, and one one other thing while we're on the Zach Wilson situation and me and Jets fans having discussions online, there's this narrative among Jets fans that NBC Sports Edge is in the bag for Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> This could not be further from the truth. We have been highly critical of him, of Urban Meyer, of the Jaguars' offensive approach. Not that Trevor Lawrence is all is is to blame exclusively, but Trevor Lawrence has not been good either. And we, yeah, said so, it. yeah, it is the classic. Like if Trevor Lawrence was in New York, like his struggles would be like like, like oh. NBC Nightly News, like Lester Holt would be having to lead. <laughs> There's another scoreless start for Trevor Lawrence for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, on Sunday. We'll, you know, Putin, we'll get to Putin stuff, then we'll get to the, the Trevor right. Lawrence start after this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we it's it's not that we've been giving uh, Trevor Lawrence a free pass. It's more that we're training our fire on Urban Meyer because he's making it very easy. Yeah, and, and I think you see two quarterbacks in Wilson and Lawrence who are not in good positions. They're just never put in good positions, especially Lawrence, by the way. The the amount of running that the Jaguars do on first down is is uh, unforgivable. Uh, and then on the on the flip, flip side, you have Mac Jones put into continual, weekly, fantastic situations to succeed, and he's taken advantage. I'm going to say just a hell of a QB win from Mac Jones on Monday Night Football. I mean, he just, I mean, I think now he's not just an O'Roy front runner. He's an MVP front runner after going two of three against the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football. And just, uh, I just think, yeah, Mac Jones, you basically give him all the awards now after he completed two passes on Monday yeah. Night. Do you think that uh, Josh McDaniels and uh, Belichick sat Mac Jones down and said, Son, we are we are not going to pass the ball tonight. Like we like you can you, you may not audible out of runs. You may not do any of that. You we are running until uh, un- unless we're down by three scores, and then we we might pass. I know Bill probably did. I'm sure I was actually thinking about this during the game last night. If they 
like literally did like sit him down. I'm sure they probably did have to tell him like, listen, man, like we're just not going to throw tonight. Like no hard feelings. Uh, it's nothing about your future or how you're playing, but you're not throwing the damn ball. Right. Winning this game. And we're, we're just, I'm going to just transition now because so the Patriots won a football game where they attempted three passes, Denny. And my question was, I tweeted heading into the game as my favorite kind of game because someone was going to get exposed. Either the Bills offense or Mac Jones, and it trended much more towards a Bills exposure. Yet again, they could not run the ball, Denny. Uh, they're having a harder and harder time sh- shaking the dreaded finesse label. Yeah. I grew up uh, rooting for a finesse team, the greatest show on turf, the Rams, and I have to say it was pretty good finesse winning a Super Bowl yeah. and losing another Super Bowl. But was Monday an exposure for the Buffalo Bills, Denny? Yeah, I, I just didn't see a path toward the Bills you know, uh, winning that game, although they, sh- they should have, they still should have won. Cause the pay, it's not like the Patriots played, played, you know, super well. Uh, they, you know, they ba- barely even tried to score points in the second half, but getting back to the bills, w- w- how was their run game going to suddenly s- surge, right? How are they going to suddenly become a run first team? This has been an issue throughout the season and they can't do it with their current personnel and current scheming. They cannot do it. And we saw it last night. Yeah, they're just they're really testing the limits now. Like like many teams, uh, this season just has like the feel of a transition season where we may finally be seeing like the zenith of the pass. Oh, yeah. Like where defenses have adjusted, have finally made the adjustments, finally made like the roster building tweaks, and like, you know every quarterback almost is struggling. And the Bills, it's like the class. We went through like you know a golden age of two or three years where it didn't matter if you could run the ball or stop right. the run. And now, and you know, the biggest game last year, the AFC Championship game, the Bills just kind of got screwed because they couldn't run the ball against the Chiefs. So that was the Chiefs' defensive weakness; they just couldn't run. Uh, and then last night, you know, a game where they had to run. You know, we're just it is literally had to run because the condition they couldn't run. And then I, I don't know if you heard it's bad if you can't stop the run. Can't stop. That used to be the case. You know, after 50 years, run the ball, stop the run. We thought we had finally evolved beyond that. And now the Buffalo Bills are kind of like testing it. Well, actually, maybe you do have to stop the run and run the ball. I mean, gosh, I'm really hoping it's not true. It is true. No, it is. I, I've come to accept it. I, I believe that there, this is a transition season. Uh, of course, the the cat and mouse game with defensive and offensive scheming will continue for as long as there is football. And so maybe we'll we'll see, you know we will see this shift again. But yes, uh, the 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 two to three year era of Mahomes and Allen and others just shredding every opponent through the air with deep shots. Uh, that's over. That's, that's over. over for now. And uh, these teams are going to have to figure out now the chiefs to their credit have figured out a formula, which is uh, play better defense, play good defense. Uh, and I know that sounds simplified, but, but they really, they, they are. And uh, um, be, be safe, safer, you know, take the underneath stuff, take what the defense gives you. It's boring. It makes for, Bad football. The the Kansas City Chiefs are now unwatchable, um, but uh, they're winning, and the Bills are are not making those adjustments. It was funny watching this game last night. Kind of like the Maddenization of football fans, right? Because you know, literally, quite literally, everyone in America knew the Patriots were running the ball, and everyone's like, "How can the Bills not stop the run if they know they're running it?" And it's because they're not designed to stop the run, and it doesn't even matter if you know they're running if the other team is executing so well. And you don't have the defensive personnel to stop the run. And that is why. And that's why teams have been panicking and like changing their roster builds over the past year or two. Like the Patriots naturally were at the vanguard of this. 
Like they were like the first team to throw the car in reverse last year. And it was pretty ugly with Cam Newton, but yeah. like we're, they were like all in on their lines again, like, you know, drafting running backs, going like two or three backs. And it's just so typical that of course, Bill Belichick is like the guy who's like, yep, sorry, fun. And so of course, after he was one who like ushered in the fun era too, uh, with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Now he's the one he's declared the end of fun and it's just, yeah. like, nothing we can do about it. It's true. And, and um, it, it was in hindsight, extremely smart for him to say this, this trend, this passing trend can only be pushed so far. I, I can't, I can't push past uh, Mahomes and Kansas city. I can't push past Josh Allen and Buffalo. So we're, we're going to do the opposite. And so they went out and they, they give, you know, a billion dollars to two tight ends and, and uh, signed a bunch of linemen. And now they're, they're just bullying everybody they play. Uh, and they have, you know, a perfect formula. I, I hate saying this because I'm a longtime Patriots hater, but we all my are. God, they, just put them in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I know. Just what are we even waiting for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're winning again. You know, like they're like the Bills, you know, like decades we waited for someone to dethrone the <laughs> Patriots in the AFC East and the Bills did it last year. Like, oh, the tables have turned. And then nine months later, they're losing a game of the Patriots. Attempt. Right. That lasted, you know, flash forward 25 minutes and the Patriots are back. It will be interesting. Two weeks. I think it's in two weeks. The game will probably be much more on Buffalo's terms when they play in New England. I, you know, it is Maybe. December. It could just be like uh, Maybe. <laughs> a nor'easter or something. But it will be a very interesting rematch. And shot the Bills. They didn't look well coached last night. They are an extremely well coached team. So they'll have some adjustment for two weeks. Uh, not well coached team is the 5-7 and seven Carolina Panthers, Denny, who made the stunning Sunday decision uh, burying the news, uh, news dump in like the middle of the games where they yeah. weren't playing. They are on by firing their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. He was the man behind LSU's 2019 National Championship run. He was a head coaching candidate last winter. You know, it's, it's like hard to say that like Joe Brady was doing a great job, but like how was he supposed to do a great job? Like this just like smacks of scapegoating and – is this like Panthers project is kind of like off the rails, didn't you? It's a team, and I don't say this just because their name is the Panthers, but it's a team that's chasing their own tail, right? I mean, it it, it really seems that way since David Tepper took over as owner of the team. That they, they have flailed back and forth looking for any sort of uh, path to success, right? It's it, it was Deshaun Watson for a long time, and then it was a top quarterback, and then it was Sam Darnold, and now it's Cam Newton. And then get Joe Brady out of here. We're going to bring in someone. So it's a team without a without a, a solid direction. I think an impatient franchise. Probably, you know, I don't know David Tepper personally, but I'm guessing he's he's fairly an, an impatient guy, judging by how this team is operating. Um, and uh, I just I just don't see where where they go from here. Cam Newton, you know, that was a nice fairy tale thing for a couple of weeks. That's basically over. Like, like a couple quarters, actually. Right. They're they're not going anywhere, and Cam Newton's not going to be back next year. So that, that that's the end of that. Well, yeah. The thing about the Panthers is, so first of all, you know, the Panthers have done such a great branding job. We're the analytics franchise. Oh. Um, whereas, like, the analytics have really disappeared to be then like throwing stuff against the wall and hoping something sticks, like recreating the 2019 Jets offense with Sam Darnold. Not sure how that worked. And then like giving like real money to Cam Newton. It's like that's one thing that leads me to believe like there's no actual plan because they guaranteed Sam Darnold's option year next year, which they were under no pressure whatsoever to do. Yes. When they acquired Sam Darnold, uh, they they were so confident, I guess, in the acquisition that they guaranteed his fifth year option. And like, why would you do that? 
based on Sam Darnold's track record. And then they signed Cam Newton. They gave him like a real guarantee. Like, uh, like you're an every week starter guarantee and someone we might like take a gander at heading into next year. And it just seems like Matt rules on from like one scam to the next. And apparently talking about running the ball, stopping around, he's apparently dictating 30 to 33 rush attempts per game. Yeah. According to ESPN's David Newton, Panthers beat writer. And like, why would you do that if Chuba Hubbard and you know, Amir Abdullah are your running backs? And it just seems like there's a, like kind of all talk so far for the yeah. Matt Rule era in Carolina. Yes. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there are any Matt Rule defenders out there, but they have to be just grasping at straws at this point. How, how can how can you defend the the direction of this team? Uh, another thing is uh, it, you 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 sign you sign Cam, you talk him up, uh, and then you. What, what you 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 flirt with PJ Walker like maybe coming in on some plays like that 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 will always kind of stunk uh, to me I I just I don't see like where they go from here um, besides resetting I also want to I also want to uh, beg franchises uh, instead of labeling yourself like the analytics franchise just keep that under wraps you know that's please. what the Patriots do the Bill Belichick pretends yes. he's like never heard of analytics when he's like always doing analytically sound right. things that's um, right yes Bill Belichick is the foremost advocate of analytics and football but he every time he he does an interview he says never heard of Facebook never heard of Twitter I don't know he I makes himself heard. projectile vomit on command when he hears the word <laughs> analytics as a bit right and he's and he acts like a caveman and he's the most advanced <laughs> analytics advocate in the entire league and you see you see it you know, pay off. Um, so, so please, for the love of God, you bad teams out there, stop calling yourselves the analytics teams. The Jags member, yeah. big on analytics. Oh you, you're, you're, you're making us look terrible. Yeah, just don't, at least just don't do it as a branding thing. The Chargers are like actually doing it. And like warts and all, we're like, oh, the Chargers were just stopped on their 32nd consecutive fourth down. <laughs> but they're going to stick with it, folks, because that's what the analytics say to do. I, look, I, I want the Chargers to keep going for it. Fourth fourth and 10 from their own seven-yard line. You go for it, Brandon Staley. <laughs> no, you actually do. Um, Brandon Staley has played a lot of Madden. He knows what he's doing. Uh, Lamar Jackson followed up a career-worst four-interception performance in Week 12 with a career-worst seven-sack performance in Week 13. Now he's rematching with the Browns' defense that picked him off four times ago, two weeks ago, Denny. I, I don't even know what the, like what should fantasy managers' state of mind be here, basically, because I, I feel like a quarterback, there's like two or three. Like I ranked Lamar Jackson as the QB1 last week. This kind of like, you know, the overall numbers are still good on the season. You know, I just scream dual threat three times and like hope that works. <laughs> and it just didn't work. Like the two reliable quarterbacks right now are like Tom Brady and Kyler Murray and then like Kirk Cousins. And just like what what yeah, what should our state of mind be with Lamar Jackson? I had someone ask me last week, should I start Taysom Hill over Lamar? And I and I said, You no, you idiot. You how could you possibly do that? And then I was completely wrong, of course. Um, I, I still don't think you're doing that. Here, here's the thing. So he's Lamar struggled over six games, give or take. Uh, he has 10 picks to eight touchdown passes uh, during that six game stretch. But he, over that time, he's averaging 10.8 rushing attempts per game with at least eight rushing attempts in each of those games. So the, that floor, that rush base floor is still there. I, 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 th- I think you know, you can start him, you can continue starting him with relative confidence. Of course, you're not going to, you're not going to bench uh, Lamar Jackson. 
Um, I, I, the, the one issue that with, with the amount of pressure that he's faced, he, he was sacked seven times against the Steelers and he was pressured throughout. He escaped uh, a few sacks kind of miraculously against Pittsburgh. Uh, teams are doing that thing again, defenses where instead of sending the edge rushers straight up the field at Lamar, they tell them to hold off and they create sort of a wall <laughs> and, and force Lamar into the middle of the field where he's far less dangerous. Uh, and that's what the Steelers did continually. I wouldn't be shocked if the Browns do that this week. And it's funny. So talking about the blitz. So like his two most recent games were the seven sack fiasco against the Steelers and the four INT fiasco against the Browns. His most recent start before that was the game where the Dolphins were just like, well, we're blitzing all every play. And he did absolutely nothing. Yeah. And he is really struggling with the blitz. But you also highlight important, like he's still running. He just hasn't scored a rushing touchdown since week two, mm. which feels very, very fluky. And you would think that at least in fantasy, like the positive regression, like avalanche is going to come and he's going to start shoring up his fantasy viability again with some rushing touchdowns, even if he keeps struggling as a passer, because like, I feel like that center cannot hold like Lamar can't just go. What is it? It's week 14. He's not going to go. I mean, first of the NFL season, there's still three months left. I don't think he's going to go three months without another rushing touchdown. That's uh, correct right. me if I'm wrong. I, I, I believe that you, you're on to something. I, I noticed, though, you know, when they got to the red zone, uh, it was a lot of Lamar against Pittsburgh, I should say. There was a lot of Lamar under center handing off to Devontae Freeman, who, That's what we has, want. Has, who has suddenly become quite the thing uh, in uh, for fantasy. Yes, seeing, actually. Seeing good number of targets. Um, I don't want to call him game script proof, but he's, but he's he basically a, just did. He's as close as to game script proof as anybody but the elite backs, I will say. Uh, for Lamar, let's play the game real quick. He's facing the Cleveland Browns this week. Would you play Lamar or Josh Allen in Tampa Bay? Oh, well, oh, come on. Who, who has that decision? I mean, um, I'm, just, I'm just, just, just asking questions. All right. <laughs> You're only asking questions. Um, I'll, I'll go with Josh Allen. Lamar or Patrick Mahomes against the Vegas Raiders? Lamar. Lamar or Aaron Rodgers against the Chicago Bears? Rodgers. Lamar or Justin Herbert against the New York Giants? Oh, man. Um, I'll, go, I'll go Herbert. The Giants' past defense has been bad enough recently that you can go Herbert. And then the final one, Lamar or Dak Prescott against the Washington football Yeah, you go, you're going Dak. You are. You you almost agreed one for one with my rankings there, actually. So uh, maybe we're on the same page. And this, yeah, you gotta. It's so frustrating, but there's just like I said, there's like two or three guys you can like truly keep the faith in. And yeah. so some of them you have to kind of just make leaps of faith right now, a quarterback. And I think you have to keep making leaps of faith in Lamar Jackson, who is gonna score a rushing touchdown soon. Please, please. Uh, Denny in San Francisco, Elijah Moore is in the concussion protocol. Debo Samuel is day to day. Jeff Wilson is a bum knee. Trey Sermon is on injured reserve. I don't know if you even knew all this. Uh, I do. You did. Okay. I do. Uh, will it be Jermichael Hasty season against the Bengals in Week 14? I didn't yeah. prepare you for Jermichael Hasty. I feel like, but uh, you didn't have to look. Okay. I I spent a good amount of time looking not only at the 49ers depth chart but at their practice squad because oh, I wanted to know it's if true. someone someone could be activated and get 15 carries this week. It's true. It turns out there are no running backs on the 49ers practice squad. Um, and, and we have, uh, we have Trenton cannon who was, who was, he was uh, taken, taken to the, the hospital. hospital. 
you know, he's he's not, you know, and uh, thankfully the reports on him have been good, but he he's not playing this week. Um, they have a fullback on the <laughs> on the oh, practice right. squad. Gosh, yeah, it's it, it's it's all Jamichael Hasty. If if Mitchell can't go, if Jeff Wilson can't go with that flared up knee, um, then I guess I guess it's Hasty. Uh, and and I and I suppose maybe even. Kyle Shanahan would have to relent on the run heaviness of that offense. I will say, like, I just had a, maybe he's just like too out of the league at this point. He was on, he was bouncing around the summer, but I mean, maybe they, I wish I were making this up. I feel like they could sign Alfred Morris if they're like truly desperate. Yeah. Cause he knows the Shanny system. So, 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 so well, I don't know in the last time I feel like he spent maybe some time. No, he didn't spend any time with the 49ers this summer. It looks like uh, he, he might be too far gone at this point, but they are they are to a point um, where they might have to sign someone from free agency. They, they they could trade a draft pick to the Seahawks for Adrian Peterson. You know, I mean, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, I was just informed by the way. I said Elijah Moore is in the concussion protocol uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. That's not true, folks. We we pride ourselves on accuracy here. And Elijah Moore is a New York Jets wide receiver and not a San Francisco 49ers running back. That's Elijah Mitchell. There you go. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, sorry. There's just a lot of Elijahs with M's around town these days. And, uh, yeah, just a Jermichael Hasty. I've got him ranked as the RB20 right now. I do think one of these guys is probably going to end up playing, like Jeff Wilson. Right. Wow, Shannon, be like, Jeff, and sit him down. So, you know, like they sat down Mac Jones and told him he's not going to throw. They're going to sit down Jeff Wilson. Like, Jeff. How much do you really think you're going to need this knee when you're 45? <laughs> like uh, you're a member of this team right now. You said mm-hmm. you'd give us your all, and you, are you really going to need this knee when you're 45? Yeah, Jeff? Jeff, we want to we want to update you on the latest technology in knee replacement <laughs> surgery. <laughs> Too real, uh, actually. Any, anyway, are you uh, are you are you available this week? We can use you. Uh, yeah, and he just starts weeping, and they're like, oh, he's good to go. Um, he didn't say no. Uh, it's too real. It is too <clears throat> real. Julio Jones has been designated a return from injured reserve. Let's cut right to the chase, Denny. Can he be counted? Tr- counted. I'm, I, I do have a script for when I ask the question, and I somehow keep misreading them today. Uh, can he be trusted yeah. as a wide receiver three against the Jacksonville Jaguars if he's active? I, I I had the thought when I did that blurb yesterday when he was activated off of IR. Of uh, you know, my first thought was, "Who cares?" Uh, hey, come on, man. No, who cares? I mean, the future on. Hall of Famer. I care. I care for but for fantasy. I'm. Just I actually saying. do kind of care because it's bleak out there. You, I'll, I'll let you talk, and then I'll give you the rundown of that part of the wide receiver board, though. Yeah, I, you're right. It is. It is a little bit bleak, but wide receiver three, I think, is a little a little presumptuous and in this offense. I mean, this offense has still skewed uh pretty pass heavy. When you look at like um, pass rate over expectation um, it's uh, it's, they're still trying to establish it. So I, I don't, I don't know. Is AJ Brown like, comp- like definitely out this week. He's definitely know. out. still. he's not eligible to return yet. Okay. Well then, then I guess I do care a little bit about Julio. <laughs> so, okay. Here's, I understand like the initial inclination to be like, oh, whatever. Like he hasn't done anything this year. But without revealing where I have Julio ranked in this group, I mean, these are just my initial ranks. So th- like these are going to be updated a lot as the week goes on. Um, but just beginning at wide receiver two, here is our wide receiver 22 is where I thought would be a good place to start for this. Here is the like the wide receiver two, three landscape this week. Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Brandon Cooks. You know, that's all right so far. Odell Beckham, Van Jefferson, Michael Gallup, Jerry Judy, 
Jarvis Landry, Russell Gage, wide receiver 32, Christian Kirk, Cole Beasley, Jamison Crowder, Tyler Boyd, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, AJ Green. Like he's going to be relevant this week, Julio Jones. I yes. hate to inform. He's going to yeah. be relevant. Yes, I take back my who cares comment. And uh, no, I, I understand. Like it actually is. <laughs> like, where am I going to be able to find a spot? But like all of a sudden, receiver is just looking. It's because of the passing downturn. Like we had like a lot of years in a row here where like it went basically 40 deep and like kind of like wide receiver 24 to 40. You're kind of like drawing names out of a hat. Like all these guys are good plays this week. And like, that is not the case this year. Like it's nuts. Like people like this, like Rashad Bateman's doing nothing like this, like so many people with Jerry Judy's, you know, basically doing nothing. It's like, it's not deep at all this year receiver. It just, things are changing and it's very, very sad. Yeah. uh, I looked it up actually this morning. I, I compared the, uh, pass rates, the overall league pass rate from weeks one to eight to then uh, weeks nine to 13. And there's been about a 3% change toward, uh, uh, there's been, a, there's, it's lowered by by 3, 3%, almost 3%. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but it actually, uh, over the, you know, a, a league-wide view, it, it, it re- results in a lot more rushes and a lot fewer passes. Yeah, man, it's just, this is ble- This is not why we got in the industry, all right? We didn't get in the industry for you know, Boston Scott running the ball 18 times again. That's not why you do it. That's not yeah. why I became a firefighter, Denny. You know, I, 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 w- I will say that this is a complete aside, but as you know, I became a, a CFL fan over the summer. This happened to the CFL before it happened to the NFL. The CFL went from very pass-heavy to run-heavy, and it was it was to the detriment of scoring and and excitement and everything. So to, so I don't know if it's like a a worldwide football phenomenon or what. But we but the CFL uh, kind of kind of forecast this uh, happening. Denny, what you have just described is a contagion, and it must be contained <laughs> at all costs, or it ruins football uh, the whole world round. I, I agree. Battling heel and knee issues, James Robinson was getting work in the closing seconds of the Jaguars as 37-7 loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Coach Urban Meyer admitted on Monday that it probably was not a good idea. Uh, I mean, like, what? Like, it's what are we supposed to I mean, Urban Meyer, I mean, is he going to be back for 2022? And can we try – is James Robinson safe RB2? He's hurt. The coach seemingly has no clue what's going on with them. Uh, it's not even really a question here. I just kind of want to like point this out. How ridiculous yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a little embarrassing at this point. Like it feels, I feel like it's beating a dead horse to be like Urban Meyer doesn't really doesn't really know what's going on. You know, when 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 reporters tell him things after the game, and he's like, "Oh yeah, oh, well, like, wow, that, that that's <laughs> crazy." We'll yeah, try to do, we'll try to do better next time. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's gotten kind of ridiculous. Uh, James Robinson actually gave an interview to local me- media in Jacksonville. Well, it wasn't awkward at all. Yeah, very uncomfortable. James Robinson seems like an extremely nice uh, young man. So you who, can say young man. We're old at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. I mean, yeah. I'm eight, I'm like 18 years older than him. Um, and uh, <laughs> who who did not want to alienate his coaches or teammates and was saying all the right things. But even in in doing that it was clear that there's, there's something amiss. There's some sort of breakdown, communication breakdown between the players and the, the coach. Um, and the fact that, you know, Robinson was in the game in a blowout game uh, after Carlos Hyde had served as the every down back Carlos Hyde actually at one point, according to Robinson asked to come out of the game for a breather. And he was told, no, 
you yeah. stay on the field. That is, that, that is something. Yeah, and this, there was this in this interview you're talking about. You should look it up on the Twitter machine. There was this palpable confusion from James. Yeah. He said he was trying to not make waves, but the situation is so ridiculous. There's basically nothing he could say without it sounding like a subtweet because um, <laughs> it just the situation is so dumb. <sighs> and yeah, I hope Urban Meyer is staying at the office. You know, past five o'clock this week. That's all I can say. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, these coaches, uh, like, it, it reminds me a little bit of um, Steve Spurrier in Washington, where Spurrier was like, you know, I'm playing, I'm going to, I have a tea time at 530. So, I know. <laughs> like, let, let's, let's hurry this up. I don't know if these, if these college coaches are like prepared for the level of insanity that is required to, to coach an NFL team. That's weird. Cause there's, cause like they're used to the college insanity, which the college is honestly a bigger grind, but like you spend a lot of time in like private jets. Like eating like caviar, like oh, we're going to Georgia and like recruit this guy, right, right? And you're not like like Urban Meyer like game planning the Big Ten, like whatever, I'll score seventy points against yeah, Iowa, right, it's fine. Right. Like, um, whereas in the NFL, you have to spend a lot more time grinding game plans. I do, I do think Urban will be back because I think that he he will want to sh- prove that this year was fluky and that he can do it on the NFL level. Uh, whether he will, you know, prove that he can is is an entirely different issue. But I don't think he's a one and done guy. I don't either. Yeah, all involved are going to prove this was not stupid. And we'll see if they succeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Subscribe to NBC Sports Edge Plus and get every tool for every game. Now all of our premium tools for fantasy, DFS, and betting are included in one subscription at one low price. You can subscribe monthly or save 20% on an annual subscription. We've made it easier than ever with more tools than ever to play and wager with confidence at NBC Sports Edge Plus. We are headed down the backstretch of the NFL season, and NBC Sports Predictor app, powered by PointsBet, has you covered with Sunday Night 7. We're giving you a shot to win $1 million every Sunday night throughout the rest of the regular season. It's free and easy to play, so predict what will happen between the Bears and Packers this Sunday evening for a chance to win. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. All right, Denny, uh, now it's time to check in on some streaking players and whether they might keep it up for the three most important weeks of the fantasy season, which, of course, begin next week. It's week 14. This is traditionally when the fantasy playoffs begin and you know, they might be beginning in your league. If you forgot to update the settings, this has happened to me in a few leagues, actually. That's funny. 
uh, we're, we're thankfully on MFL, my fantasy league, we could change it. But as the commissioner of our dynasty league and the playoffs, we're going to start this week. And you can't be starting the playoffs when there are four teams on by. No, you just no. can't do it. That's right. So, um, so the first guy we're talking earlier, I called this man Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Moore yeah. is the wide receiver three by average half PPR points over the past five weeks. He's produced with four different quarterbacks. Denny, is Elijah Moore going to remain a thing for the fantasy playoffs? I believe yes. Yes, very much. Uh, it, it's clear, and it was clear as, again, again, I, I did watch that Jets-Eagles game. I just want everybody to, to hear that again. It was clear that he was the centerpiece of the entire offensive scheme for the Jets, and rightfully so. He is the most electric, most talented player in that offense. Corey Davis was limping around the entire game, really gave it a go, but uh, um, he re-injured that groin and, and actually had core muscle surge, or I don't know if he had the surgery yet, but he's out for the year, needless to say. That means that uh, Moore will have no competition for targets going forward. And um, he was getting intermediate targets, deep targets. Uh, you know, they were giving the ball to him at the line of scrimmage and behind the line of scrimmage. They want the ball in his hands. So even in uh, a bad yeah. offense with Zach Wilson under center, I think that that Moore is like a really locked in wide receiver too. Yeah, it's all systems go, and he is a wide receiver too. So clearly top 24, but maybe top 20. And so like he's got 20 targets over the past two games, both Zach Wilson starts. So it, thankfully the commitment that he saw from like Mike White, that he saw from Joe Flacco, that he saw from Josh Johnson is carried over to the actual starting quarterback. Uh, like the schedule is not like the greatest in the world. He has the Saints this week. Then he has the the, the mighty – I said it sounded like it was a joke the, – the mighty Dolphins pass defense in Week 15. Like they've been playing out of their minds, but he just caught eight balls for 141 yards and a touchdown against the Dolphins three weeks ago. So he's already had success in the matchup. Then he has the Jaguars. Then for the fantasy finals, he has the Bucks. Yeah. And the Bucks have finally gotten like a little healthier. But like – so the Dolphins, the defense he's already had success with. The Jags, a game where it's going to be competitive game script – and the Bucks, yeah, even if they're healthy, uh, there should be comeback game script. We know they still have deficiencies in the secondary. Yeah. And yeah, it's basically very, very hard to find reasons to truth Elijah Moore down the stretch. And he seems to be here to stay in the top 24. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, the, this matchup against the Saints this week is is not a bad one. The Saints, it's are, true. The Saints are giving up the fifth most wide receiver fantasy points. Uh, they're in the top, let me see, the top 10 in... Uh, right wide receiver receptions and target share. So yeah, I, I think that this week you're you should be pretty excited about Elijah Moore. Yeah, it's the Saints that they're kind of getting by a reputation. They were playing really well early early in the season, but yeah. the Saints, it kind of seems like a situation too where like they're just total ineptness on offense is, has carried over to defense. Like when the defense is always on the field, yes, when the defense is always playing uh from behind even a really, really good defense starts to get ragged and you start to like stack up points on them. And I think that's kind of what's happening to the Saints defense. Yeah. Well, we, we saw that with the Miami defense earlier this year. It's a, it's a good defense. True. And we saw, we've seen how good they are when the offense can conduct his business, you know, fine, not, not great, but okay. Okay. Enough to produce some neutral game script uh, and not put the defense in terrible spots so that, yeah, the Saints, Saints are in a similar spot. When the one true RPO God to attack of a law logs yes. online, that's right. Um, you make your defense start to look better. Darnell Mooney, Denny's the wide receiver nine over the past five weeks. He's had a really good chemistry with Andy Dalton. Yeah. He has benefited from Allen Robinson being injured. 
We don't know Allen Robinson's status. We don't really know if Justin Fields or Andy Dalton is going to start for week 14. What is the outlook for Darnell Mooney, a guy who's finally been breaking out but has more variables going than Elijah Moore does? I'm not nearly – I don't think I'm nearly as confident about Mooney as I am about Elijah Moore. You know, Mooney saw eight targets two weeks ago. He saw seven targets this past week against Arizona. The difference was that he hit a few big plays against Detroit on Thanksgiving, and and that didn't happen uh, for Arizona. So I think I think his production is a little more will be a little more volatile than Elijah Moore's production. That makes me a little less confident. But you know you're you're still you're still plugging him in in a, in a league where you you need to start three receivers. You still feel good about plugging in Mooney. He's basically even with the variables, it's hard to see him ever being ranked outside the top thirty. Yeah. Rest of the season. Definitely hard to see him being ranked outside the top 36. And, you know, they're finally all 32 teams will finally be playing again in week 15. So maybe the board starts to look at a little different and it actually starts to seem deeper again. But I think, yeah, he's going to stay wide receiver three viable. Can even maybe stay in the wide receiver two mix. The schedule actually is good for the fantasy. He's kind of the shootout prone Vikings in week 15. He has the Seahawks, whatever you even call them anymore in week 16. And then the New York football giants in week 17 he does, he has the pass suppressing Packers this week so he could like head into the fantasy playoffs on like a really low ebb like back-to-back quiet games but yeah. I think I think yeah you can stay reason not nearly as bullish as Elijah Moore but you can stay reasonably confident in Darnell Mooney as a stretch run contributor for your team yeah by the way the Vikings and Giants who you mentioned as uh future Chicago opponents are both in the top six in wide receiver touchdowns allowed this season. So uh, yeah, I, I do like Mooney. Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, don't get too down. If things don't go well this coming Monday night against the Packers. Monday. Oh my gosh. Bears prime time folks. Um, T Higgins. He has 15 catches for 252 yards and two touchdowns over his past two games. So is this, are they finally converging Jamar chase and T Higgins? Or is there any meaningful difference between them at this point? Does Jamar still get a rankings advantage? Or is this becoming like kind of like, like a names out of a hat situation for the Bengals' top two wide receivers? And how high do you think like in a vacuum will we have T. Higgins on a weekly basis during the playoffs? So Jamar Chase dropped a touchdown uh, this, this past week. That's at least his second drop touchdown over the past four weeks. Uh, turns well, out the summer gifts were right. He can't catch it all, folks. Well, yeah. Of course, Pat's being uh, sarcastic. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, if either one of those lands, this conversation is different. But here, here's the thing about T. Higgins is that Higgins' peripherals were outstanding for weeks and weeks it's and true. weeks. And it wasn't happening. His air yards were great. His air yards per target were great. His target share his routes run, everything was solid. It was lining up. If the, the dam finally broke. And so since week nine, uh, he is leading the Bengals in air yards by a good margin. He has 461 air yards to Jamar Chase's 385. He also has a 3% lead in target share over Chase during that time. I, I feel uh, you know a little bit flaky saying that Higgins should be ranked higher than chase but it's pretty close it is close and like you said the peripherals had stayed good even as like it became like a meme in dfs where like it's always t higgins week it's never t higgins week basically where he always looked good on paper and then he just wasn't delivering 
I think maybe Jamar Chase is going to start having some big games again because, like, why would he not? Like, he, he is clearly a special talent. But it was kind of inevitable that they were going to regress, like, towards each other. And, like, T. Higgins, yeah, like, the usage every week said he was a wide receiver too. And he's finally now producing as a wide receiver too again. And I, I do think it's reasonable to expect T. Higgins to remain top 20. It's not point chasey to say T. Higgins is going to be a top 24 wide receiver for the fantasy playoffs because – that's what the stats said he should be all along. Yeah. I mean, he just, he finally is just living up to his usage. Next on the list, Denny, this is going to be a controversial one here. Okay. But uh, Kirk Cousins, he is the QB4 by average points over the past five weeks. He keeps like basically playing like almost literally perfect games as the Vikings <laughs> still lose. It's pretty crazy, actually. Uh, it's like either the most Kirk Cousins thing of all time. Or the most Mike Zimmer thing of all time. Like, gosh, he has he has twenty five touchdowns and three interceptions this year. Wow! It's like, uh, wow, he'd be being talked about as like an MVP mm. if you're on like a lot of different teams. Uh, Kirk Cousins, do we do we have faith in Captain Kirk for the stretch run, Denny? Yeah, you know, uh, Vikings beat writers after the Dalvin Cook injury said, you know, this team needs to and probably will lean a, a little pass heavier going forward. Uh, I, I don't I don't think you can expect like a, a full out pass heavy offense because it is Mike Zimmer. It is the Vikings. Uh, but, you know, with with his weapons and with his track record in over the past month or month and a half. Yeah, I think that you I think that you're you're definitely starting Kirk Cousins over any streaming options that are you are. He, he, he's out of the streamer mix at this point and into the QB one mix. So you are correct there. And this, this uh, Thursday night matchup against the Steelers. Now the Steelers secondary without Joe Hayden has been, you know, pretty vulnerable. Um, the, the Ravens didn't really take it full advantage of it, but the Bengals sure did the week before. And I, I think that the Vikings are in position to take advantage of, of that, uh, you know, of that, that Hayden Pittsburgh secondary this week. So I, I feel pretty good about him. The Chargers also did. It is weird. It's like we got the – we're going to need Kirk to throw more without Dalvin Cook. That happened in week 13. But then he loses Adam Thielen to a high ankle sprain. Yeah. It kind of changes up the whole dynamic in the Vikings receiver core. Or now it's hopefully Justin Jefferson going nuclear. It's hopefully Tyler Conklin compiling and getting some red zone opportunities. And hopefully like KJ Osborne doing the rest. So we'll see if that affects Kirk at all. But – I mean, pretty much all from like the opening whistle of the season, he's been a, like a legit QB one, and like he's yeah, he's not a streamer. He's kind of having a career year, and it's he'll, it's a tough schedule. He's got the Bears at the Bears versus the Rams and at the Packers in the fantasy mm-hmm. playoffs. But I, yeah, he'll probably I, get there. About about this this week fourteen matchup he has with Pittsburgh, I, I feel obliged to say that the Steelers over the past month have become quite the run funnel defense. Uh, they're missing their starting nose tackle, and that seems to really have impacted the way they defend the run. Uh, right now, they are the sixth most extreme run funnel defense, and I, I so I, I don't know if Mike Zimmer can really, really contain himself uh, in in holding off on attacking a vulnerable run defense. But we'll see. Yeah, he probably cannot. Uh, Leonard Fournette, Dennis, uh, he's leading the NFL in running back receptions. I don't know if you know this. People, why is the national media not talking about this? How upsetting. Uh, I mean, we're out of it. You can't really truth Leonard Fournette at this point, right? I mean, like this is I, I probably shouldn't even well, have put him on this list. Like, It's not even really a debate, is it? Look, this is supposed to be Gio Bernard's thing. I don't know what to say <laughs> about it. I'm so it's so upsetting. 
that like, you know, Brady's back to like checking down constantly because teams are doing to him what they've done to Allen and Mahomes, which is just put two safeties 80 yards off the line of scrimmage. And he's taking advantage of that. Yeah, Unlike Allen and Mahomes, he's just like, whatever. And just like getting four yeah. touchdowns every game, just throwing to Chris Godwin 15 times. Right, right. So uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I I feel I feel good for Fournette. Good job Lombardi Lenny. Uh, but uh, any anybody could do this. Any anyone <laughs> could could do what what Fournette is doing in the Tampa offense. And he will continue to do it for the fantasy playoff. I guess I don't yeah. even know why I put him on this list. There's like no debate with Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I think you, I think you did it just to upset me. <laughs> and I my, I upset myself. So <laughs> the joke is on me. Uh, Antonio Gibson is averaging 24 carries in four games since Washington the week nine by. Do we see any reason for this to change? Denny, this kind of seems like another thing where like this is pretty cut and dry at this point. This is Washington's new offense, yeah. and we can trust these monster workloads from, Anto- from Antonio Gibson. The football team has its formula, and its formula is to be as conservative as humanly possible while winning by as few points as possible. We don't want to win by too much. We don't want to score too many points, but we're, we're still going to win. We're going to, we're going to eke it out every single week. And that means giving it to Antonio Gibson as much as we can. That means uh, limiting Taylor Heineke's opportunities uh, in the past game. And so, yeah, I mean, Antonio, so Gibson went from like, are we starting him to the new Derrick Henry overnight? <laughs> and I, by, 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 that, by that, I mean the workload. Yes. Mm-hmm. His schedule here, including week 14, which is not the fantasy playoffs, is Dallas, Philadelphia, Dallas, Philadelphia. Uh, so like kind of a weird schedule. Yeah. The Cowboys don't allow many running back fantasy points. I think that's probably because teams were playing from behind for so long against them. That has changed in recent weeks. The Eagles are like borderline top 10 and running back fantasy points allowed. Football team, I guess, can muck it up against Dallas and keep those games close and keep keep run friendly, friendly game script. We know week 15 and 17 against the Eagles, those will be close games and he should get 20 plus carries. So yeah, I don't see anything concerning and Antonio Gibson set up and see absolutely no reason to believe they're going to change their offensive approach uh, the way it has worked since they're five. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, just, just look at how they, they approach. So the, the Vegas defense is, well, actually, it is, it is run funnel. So my uh, my entire uh, thesis was blown blown up as I, <laughs> as I was talking. I was looking at an, another stat. Anyway, the the watch the football team has its formula. They're going to stick to it no matter what, and so that's good for Gibson. And it, it probably honestly should be their formula. They should have lost the game. T- Taylor Heineke threw a pick six, and Vegas just dropped it. And yes, Heineke, Heineke he's a gamer, folks. He's gutsy, but yeah, he's not someone you should be putting like the game on. And it makes a lot of sense why they have gone full established. We, we will close the program with Josh Jacobs, who this one, like, I feel like maybe is like a little more, whereas Leonard Fournette and Antonio Gibson have kind of become obvious. Josh Jacobs, like, I, I guess it's obvious that he's a top 20 back, but like, is, is he creeping up those RB2 ranks where he caught a career high nine passes in week 13 after Kenyon Drake suffered a season ending ankle injury. Jalen Richard, you know, career pass catcher was on the COVID-19 list. He'll probably be back for week 14. But, you know, Josh Jacobs' pass catching floor had already gone up after Henry Ruggs' release. And he seems like someone who's just going to keep his usage is going to keep improving down the stretch, right? And looking like a pretty, pretty great option for the fantasy playoffs. Oh, the, the pass catching stuff is just tremendous uh, for Jacobs if that holds. 
Um, you know, like you said, nine targets, nine, nine catches. Only, only Madison, Barkley, and Fournette ran more pass routes than Josh Jacobs in, in week 13. Um, and that, that is, that's exactly what we're looking for, especially if, if you're playing in the only legitimate scoring system, PPR. That means that Jacobs is not touchdown dependent, which, is, which has been the rub the entire time with him. Not so. That now, now we get that, that pass-catching production and opportunity, and that means, that means the world. He has kind of a strange playoff schedule. He's at the Browns versus the Broncos and at the Colts. I, I can't off the top of my head recall all their run their run defense numbers, but all three of those games, n- none of those profiles like games for the Raiders like won't be in it. And so oh, yeah, yeah it, the setup is just looking kind of foolproof for well, he, Yeah, I mean, uh, even if they're not in it, even if if those teams run away. Uh, Jacobs, uh, you know, presumably will stay in the game and could be and should be involved in in the passing game. So uh, a bad day on the ground doesn't mean that he's a, a complete bust for fantasy purposes. Let's just see in this final week of the fantasy regular season if they galaxy brain it and get Jalen Richard involved. Um, right. I, I I do think that the new coach, whose name I I, I still Rich Basaccia. Basaccia, yeah. I think that he is more committed to Jacobs as an every down back than John Gruden ever was. So that that's good news. It's true. He does seem to have far more Josh Jacobs, which is interesting since John Gruden used a uh, first round pick on Josh Jacobs. <laughs> and, um, did a lot of things. Many most he's he's lucky to be the rare Raiders first rounder taken by Gruden and Mike Mayock, who's still on the roster. Yeah. So he does have that going for him. Which is uh, nice. Josh Jacobs. Yeah, which is nice. Um so and yeah, that was a nice show. The show is over. Um, it was a nice show. And uh, do we have any parting thoughts? I mean, target decoder, um, my rankings, up. our preview pods. Anything I else? Say, yeah, no, the, I have my kicker column coming out today. Uh, do you know how close I was to writing up Ryan Griffin in last week's uh, target decoder? And that guy caught a touchdown against the Eagles, and I almost puked on myself. When you happened. did seem dangerously close. Well, you might not have written him up, but you've definitely talked about him several I, times. I, I, me- I mentioned him as, as you guys were shouting me down. But, you know, I, I, n- nevertheless, we were like a swarm of lawyers just trying to get into your, your home <laughs> office. And like, this was not part of the agreement. You swore you would not mention him. And then yeah. He's the franchise player. I don't know what the he is. The Jets franchise. It's Elijah more than Ryan Griffin. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back with our first of two week 14 preview shows on Wednesday with myself, Patrick Crane and Kyle Dvorak. We'll be back with part two. On Thursday with Matt Strout, Denny, myself, and John Daigle. Uh, For Denny, I'm Pat. Thank you so much for listening. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.